Welcome to Inspirational Journeys, where writing from the heart adds value to your life. Listen as authors, creative artists, and entrepreneurs share the stories behind their creative process and their work. Also, listen as I give book reviews, share writing encouragement and tips, read occasional poetry, and give you inspirational nuggets from my writing journey, all inspired by the Holy Spirit. Grab a cup of whatever beverage suits your fancy, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Thanks for supporting my Inspirational Journeys podcast. My purpose is to provide a platform for authors, creative artists, and entrepreneurs to share their stories while also providing writing tips, encouragement, and inspiration to help you achieve your writing goals through faith and courage. By clicking the support this podcast button or following the link in my show notes, your monthly contribution of $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99 will help me achieve mine. Welcome to Inspirational Journeys, everyone. My name is Ann Harrison Barnes, and today my special guest is Melanie Teague. Welcome to the show, Melanie. Thank you so much, Ann. Okay, so first of all, um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I was born in South Africa, and in 1999, we immigrated, my husband and I immigrated to Canada. And now we have two Canadian children, they're teenagers. And um, I've been a freelance writer for about 10 years now. And uh, about three years ago, I decided to to set aside a few of my clients so that I could concentrate more on my fiction work. And so that's what I do. I'm pretty much a writer full time. You sound like me. I've only got one freelance writing client, but I love writing fiction too. Although mine's mysteries. So what inspired you to become a writer? Well, it's an interesting story because I really should have known that it was in the genes a long time ago because uh, I was always a very good letter writer because my grandmother, I grew up with my grandmother um, and she was a good letter writer. Every week, faithfully, she would write letters to her friends all over the country. And uh, I got some pen pals. I had a pen pal in Taiwan and I had some pen local pen pals you know in the country and I love to write letters so that was the first thing that I did then um, when I was in elementary school we had a project to do a magazine we had to lay it out do little articles and everything and everybody else's magazine thing was tiny you know like you know a few millimeters thick mine was a bit inch thick. I really took that project seriously and I loved every minute of it. So I kind of should have known. <laughs> anyway, so later on, um, you know, in high school, I loved English. I loved Eng- English literature and I had an incredible English teacher. And she encouraged me to do uh, studies on, on Shakespeare and Chaucer and I entered a few speech contests to do with that. So really, my love of, of storytelling has always been there. So then fast forward, you know, as I said, we immigrated and everything and I had a family and 
uh, I was at a party, the kids were sort of small, but I was at a party and um, it was with quite a lot of distinguished people, you know, in the art field, you know, interior designers and authors and movie producers and all sorts of, you know, really famous people. And I, one of the ladies said that she just published a book and I said, oh, I'd love to do that, you know. And they kind of looked at me as if to say, yeah, right. We hear that a lot, but, you know. So I kind of took it as a, a challenge. I thought, what? You're saying I can't do it? So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. so I was like, no, don't tell me I can't do something. So um, that's when I decided I wanted to get into writing. And so what I did was I drained every library in the vicinity of all the books about writing. I read E.B. White's Letters to E.B. White. And, um, you know, all the books I could read on, on, on writing and all of them. On said, writing by Stephen King. Yeah. And, and also um, a lot of them said, you know, start getting to write in your community. So um, start collecting those rejection letters so that you, when you eventually build up your portfolio and you do get accepted, you know, it's, you've got some writing chops behind you. So what I did was I, uh, uh, I, I submitted an article to my local newspaper, hoping to start collecting these rejection letters. And um, lo and behold, she accepted it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> amazing. Amazing. So my first article in my lo local newspaper was uh, published in July 2010. And once you see your words in, in, in print, really, there's no going back after that. So the rest is pretty much history. Um, then I started doing volunteer work in the community, doing biographies, and, um, you know, I, I, as much as my husband would like me to be the next J.K. Rowling, um, <laughs> my first love was human interest stories, you know, nonfiction stories, pe real people's stories. Oh, my so gosh. The first, you know, the first uh, project I started doing was interviewing people who had uh, adopted children from China. And I just loved hearing their stories. So it, as um, I, I, you know, my interest developed, I realized that, you know, that was what I wanted to do. So I started getting clients and doing communications for various uh, missions organizations and, you know, that sort of thing. So, but later on, um, as, you know, I worked with so, such diverse um, subject, subject matter, um, you know, it always keeps my interest because, Every, you know, each new project is a different thing. It's a new thing. It's about a different subject or a different person or whatever. But about three years ago, I decided I really wanted to start writing my own fiction stories. And I love so many stories that inspire me, that uh, help me to escape from my stressful life. Um, and, I, and they make me laugh. And there are a few hours of, of entertainment, but they also challenge me. So I thought, I want to write a book that will do the same for other people, that will inspire them, make them laugh, entertain them, and also um, inspire them at the same time. So that's where I started, and, and my book came out last week, um, called The Promise to Keep. And, right, uh, you you sound so much like me. I mean, mine mine's slightly different, but I went from freelance, started fiction, then I went from freelance when I got my computer, and then into fiction. So that just you just you know, and I think that's how that that's how that's you know part of the community. That just sounds so much like me. 
mm-hmm. honestly. So tell me a little bit about A Promise to Keep. I know I'm reading it, but still, tell us, tell the listeners about it for those who don't know what it is. Okay, so A Promise to Keep is about um, a research librarian called Savannah Sanderson, and she wants nothing more than to escape her ha- into her happily ever after novels. Um, but A Promise to Her Late Husband has her attending her 20-year high school reunion. Um, And then Michael McCann, who's the hero in the story, was once a reckless troublemaker. But now he's back at the reunion and he's back to face a few of his memories and unresolved issues, which namely Savannah is one of the unresolved issues that he had. And before the night's over, a pact between these two friends leads them on an adventure of uncharted emotional territory where Michael must confront his past regrets and find courage to reveal the truth. But can Savannah fly from her sheltered nest and risk her heart on a real life hero? So they have to go on a journey where they uh, resolve their past issues and find the courage to make a brand new future together. So what was the inspiration for this book? Well, it's interesting you should ask because Um, given my background of being a a journalist and freelance writer, uh, I get a lot of inspiration from real life news. Um, so when I started writing this in 2018, there was a few news reports about rescues that, you know, people were glued to their TV watching. Um, and I was inspired by the mindset of the rescuers. They said, you know, we're not heroes we just uh, do what needs to be done and we calculate the risks and then we do what we have to do. Um, and everyone else wanted to romanticize them as heroes and you know, reckless heroes, but they're not. They're actually the complete opposite. They make their decisions based on the risks and the facts and they're very calm, cool-headed. And that inspired me because you know, the reality of what their position is is so different to what we think, the romanticized, glorified uh, version of a a rescuer. So that just really inspired me. Um, And also I wanted to take readers on a journey to Canada, somewhere in Canada. So I wanted the the readers to go to Niagara Falls and Niagara-on-the-Lake and, uh, you know, see that area through the the character's eyes so that was a lot of fun I enjoyed that I love it too because I've um in my mystery that I'm I've written but re-editing I took my I I take my character on a journey but the thing is I love and I, I don't know I don't know why this is but I've always loved to read stories about travel whether it's fiction or non-fictional accounts and that's what I love about the book you take us on a journey it's like you're it's like you're with the characters Mm-hmm. Um, did you have to go and visit some of these places in order to take, to, to, to write about the journey or how did you, um, did the research for that? Well, in 2018, I, we packed everyone in the car, my two te- teenagers, my husband and myself, and we drove down to Niagara Falls and we walked around the falls and we went to the journey behind the falls, uh, which was a little scary for me because I'm slightly claustrophobic. Uh, which you will find out in the book. I portray pretty well in the book because I, that's how I feel when I'm in enclosed spaces. Yeah, I am <laughs> but, too. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, we walked around Niagara Falls. I got the feel of the place. I had been before, but you know, when the children were little, this time it was a research trip and I was really paying attention to what was going on around me. Um, so yes, and um, our friend Google, Google Earth is very, very good for visiting uh, places that you can't, uh, you know, readily hop over the border to go and see. Um, but the town of Point that the high school reunion is at is a fictional town. It doesn't actually exist. Yeah. I exist. It's, uh, there's many, many little towns just like it in the U.S., in, the, in upstate New York. So. Right. I love creating towns that are so, so similar to mine or similar to other towns I've been to. So now I'm curious now, I don't know about whether the listeners would be, but, and I don't want to spoil this too much, but I'm curious about how you came up with the idea for, um, so the Savannah being the librarian, is that, uh, is that an aspect of your life or observations? What inspired that particular, her? Well, I needed a character that was directly opposite to Michael. And a research librarian is somebody that helps uh, people research their ancestry. If they come to the library and they need to get to the archives, they help them, you know, find out what they need to know. Um, they also, uh, you know, know their resource material, so their uh, reference materials. Um, if somebody comes in wanting to research a certain subject, they need to know, you know, what's available, where they can get the information, and they need to know what is in the archives as well. So I find that fascinating because if I'm doing research, that's the person I'm going to, um, other than people in the actual field. For instance, uh, I had a firefighter, um, a local firefighter, who I consulted with for the rescue team. And uh, having one-on-one -on -one interaction with somebody in the field gives you so much more of a sense of reality of what they face. Mm -hmm. um, rather than what you think they might do, they would say, oh, no, we have to put, you know, because of their training, there's so many things and, that go into a decision that we might not really realize. So, I mean, you can't always find that in a, in a book or in a resource. So, right. so to answer your question... Um, I love books. I love history. I love resources. So who else? And it, and somebody that needs to be opposite to um, Michael. So ah. Then we then I just came up with a research librarian. I see. Yeah, and she sounds like she's an introvert too. A little bit. Yes, I think life holds <laughs> her down a bit, so she's she's become afraid, and that's part of what she has to overcome in the book. Right, right. So, um, so aside from this book, do you have any any new uh, projects in the works? Well, um, <laughs> the reviews are coming in, and there, and I'm very pleased with what the, what the readers are enjoying about the book. But quite a few of them said we want uh, the story about two of the secondary characters. I don't, I don't want to tell you who they are because that would be a big spoiler. But um, so I'm working on the second book now. Ah, you can tell me about the secondary characters after we get done with the interview. <laughs> I probably can guess, but I'm not going to go there. Oh, because <laughs> this is actually interesting because I like the, the sweet romance and the travel side of that. And um, so do you have any tips for aspiring authors? 
I would say to develop a, a habit for writing. One of the things that really helped me is that I started off, as I said, in a, as a young girl, writing letters. And then, of course, the internet happened, and then I started blogging. And I, uh, once you get into the habit of every day, sitting down at your computer and doing your blog, um, mm -hmm. it becomes a habit. And right. that's the same thing that you need to cultivate in the writing. Um, you can't wait until you feel like writing. You have to develop a habit. And once you're in a habit, you have that momentum to keep going. The other thing is perseverance. The writing life is so full of ups and downs that if you don't stick with it and you push through those things that you might not like or enjoy, um, like writing a synopsis, um, then you know your dreams won't come true. You have to have, as much as we all think that writing has to do with talent, it doesn't, it has to do with discipline and learning your skill and practicing your craft and sticking with it. That is the most important thing. Because there's many, many writers out there that are super, super talented, but they don't have the discipline to sit down and finish that book. And not only that, and I'm asking you if you agree with this, but I've told, and I've given listeners before, um, the, this, this, um, bit of advice and you guys if you haven't heard this podcast yet you're gonna want to go back and listen to this because I'm telling you now you not only have to have the discipline to do it and put your writing first mm -hmm. but you also need to trust your process what is your what are your thoughts on that I agree with you completely um you know if you when I started writing my first fiction foray into fiction was NaNoWriMo in 2010 and now that manuscript will never see the light of day. <laughs> right, I know, I started in 2014. <laughs> so anyway, um, I was a total pantser, so I wrote by the seat of my pants. And I realized as I went on and wrote a few more manuscripts that I couldn't do that. It was too much work to go back and fix everything afterwards. I so know. I became a hybrid where now I'm a cancer. <laughs> Me too! Girl, we have more, Melanie, we have more in common than yeah. I even realized, because now I started out as a pantser, now I'm a planter, because I yeah. write my, my, my bare bones plot line for yeah. a story. Well, Wait, it kind of makes sense. If you're a freelance writer, you have clients who need certain things from whatever you're writing, and they give right. you, a, you know, you write from spec. Uh, right. And I'm thinking, why don't I do that for a book? Like, why am I trying to pants it when I could sit down, write down what I want to happen, what my themes are, what conflict and, and, and you know, what my characters need to go through and write out the synopsis first and, and save myself all the headache later on. Now, I will say the pantsing part comes within that structure. You right. Structure, you can be creative within it. And I think Oh yeah. Sure. Um now I have now for me and I'm going to ask you this too because I'm curious now because now you and I have found out that we have a lot in common when it comes to our writing. Mm -hmm. Um sometimes I get my ideas in dreams and I can it, it may not be a lot but I just see one scene and then it blossoms from there and I can write the bare bones there. But sometimes the scene that I'm writing or editing is so vivid. I can actually picture myself as if I'm in that, like, for example, in that car with a specific character. 
Does that happen with you or is your process different? To tell me about your process. I'm curious now. Well, I think that I have a vivid imagination. So, and I'm also very intuitive emotionally. So, you know, you don't have to go back. You know how when you're editing somebody else's work, you have to keep going back and saying, well, how does the character feel? <laughs> right. I, I don't have that problem. <laughs> I feel with the character. So, oh, I know. So it's like I'm living with the character through these uh, instances. So, um, once the thing is, I can see a scene more vividly if I've done my research. If in my mind, the scene is hazy and there's ambiguity, then I can't see the scene as clearly. I have to do the background work. I have to look at pictures of the scenery. I have to look at, uh, you know, Google Earth is fantastic for that. You can walk up and down streets of places that you can't get to physically, um, or books, or, or watch YouTube videos about the same subject. Um, that once I've got the background and the the research cemented, then I can use my imagination to say, okay, well, how would the characters then react in that situation? Because I'm very character driven. I my I have to get to know my characters first, and then once I know them, then I know how they will react in within the plot. Have you ever thought about? And this is what I do. But have you ever thought about doing character interviews, like for your blog? And asking your characters questions? Well, not formally. Although I did do one for my blog tour last week and it was so much fun. My yes. characters my can my characters snuck off without me and were interviewed for one of these blog posts and it was so much fun. Gosh, I know but, and I write um, that, and yeah, I would I would encourage you to do that more because people love that stuff. I wrote a character yeah. conversation, and this is just me. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. It's okay. All right. Oh, well, um, yeah. So I was saying that um, you know beforehand, I will have a rough guide of the character, so not so much what they look like, because I think every reader is going to picture the character different. I right. kind of have a picture in my mind of what I think. Um, for example, um, Michael McCann is based off Henry Cavill with long hair. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But his, his character and his personality is different, of course. Of course. But, um, so I have an idea of, of what they look like, but most of all, I really have a, an, a sense of what their characters traits are like, what their priorities are like, what their wounds are like, what, what is their backstory, what wounds cause them to be reluctant to do certain things. Um, for example, um, one of the characters is scared of, she has claustrophobia because her brother locked her in a closet when she was a kid. So there's a bit of backstory there and that uh, translates into how she reacts in the rescue situation. Oh, wow. But, but I mean, I didn't mean to interrupt a minute ago, but what I was going to say was um, people actually love the character interviews because I did a character conversation <laughs> between 
two different characters from two different books that I'm working on, and I actually got a reblog. So yeah, I would suggest that you may want to, I mean, to help get to know your character. I mean, it's, it's up to you. It's what your process is, but I'm just throwing that nugget out. And listeners, you guys that, um, remember how I told you about character interviews and listening to your characters? That's another tip for your toolbox. Um, take the time, allow your characters, even if it's from two different books, allow your characters to talk to one another and put that out there on the page because you don't know how much engagement you're going to get from that. You really don't know how much engagement because, um, and you don't know who, how, how you're going to affect your readers. That's a magnet. That's a way to draw your readers in. So, um, do you, are you a heavy liner? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say that's a really good point because once readers connect with a character, then they want to read their story. That's the most important thing in the first chapter of your book, I believe, is to make your reader care. If right. your reader doesn't care about that character, they're not going to read the rest of the book. So to me, it's very important that uh, readers care. Sorry, your next question? Okay, um, so uh, do you heavily outline or do you just do your um, plotting in uh, like bare bones like I'd like in a journal? Well, what I do is I kind of write out a synopsis, but I can't really write out the synopsis until I've written the first one or two chapters because I need, it, it takes the first one or two chapters for me to know where the story starts, yeah. what the contents are, and what the jumping off point is and whether the characters are going to cooperate with that or not. <laughs> they don't always right. do. And also I get to know their voices. So once I know their voices, then I kind of jump to synopsis, but I can't do the synopsis until I've done my research. Then that's when I put my characters in scenarios and see how they'll react. And so it's a lot of brainstorming and working through that. Once I've done that, then I do the synopsis and the synopsis is fairly detailed. It's about three to four, maybe five pages, um, but not necessarily set in stone. For example, when I did my synopsis for A Promise to Keep, Donovan Radcliffe uh, wasn't in the book. <laughs> right. He showed up on his own. <laughs> I was about to ask. So, you know, sometimes we have Go ahead. Yeah, so he showed up on his own and he demanded a spot in the story. And I love <laughs> him because he's such a good friend and he's so mysterious. And so, you know, he has a backstory too. But um, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy, as I said before, the structure keeps me on track. So I don't go off on a tangent. But at the same time, I have the freedom to let characters do their thing. And I was about to ask you, how, what do you do when the character decides you've got it in a, you've got them in a synopsis? Do you, um, well, first of all, before I go there, do you use the three act story structure or do you have your own set structure that you go by? Well, this is a difficult thing <laughs> because I'm not a logical person. My husband, poor man, has been married to me <laughs> and he knows. There's not a logical bone in my body. <laughs> but for me to be so logically structured like that is not, doesn't come naturally to me. So I really have to work 
at trying to get that. <laughs> I think for me, I'm more of an intuitive storyteller. Um, and I know what's, what works in story. Having been a freelance writer, I know about hook. You have to grab the reader. And yep. I know about ending chapters with, on a note that makes them want to turn the page. So right. using that and kind of figuring out roughly what needs to happen when, um, I, that's how I work. And probably by the end of the process, if you came back and put it up against the three-act uh, structure, it would probably match up. I just can't do it intentionally because that's too, it's too, um, I guess, rigid. Too stilted, yeah. You put them in a box. But no, I was just saying, because um, the reason I say that, I've learned about the three-act story structure. I don't use it heavily to plot, but I do, I, I have my... Um, points to, to think about, especially as in my revision. Okay, so this needs to go here instead of there to make it work. It's kind of mm. like, I, I kind of have an idea of a roadmap sort of thing, but I don't really have a full roadmap. I, there are twists and turns that come along the way. Now, the question I was going to ask you was, so what do you do when your characters don't stick inside that synopsis you created? <laughs> Do you change you it as you go? showing up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you run with it and you see where it goes. And if it fits, you keep it. So what happened in, in the first version of the draft, I had seen um, the, the axe-throwing scene. I don't know if you read that one yet. But I had to take it out because of the submission word count. Um, so I took it out. But... I felt that it, it highlighted quite a important part of Savannah's struggle. Um, so when I resubmitted it to another publisher and they accepted it and the word count wasn't an issue, that scene went straight back in because I was then allowed to develop certain character traits that I didn't have the word count for before. So the first draft of the manuscript was 58,000 words. By the time we um, published the book, it was 80,000 words. It was a full-grown, fully developed story. I'm so on chapter 13, so I'm probably not even there yet. <laughs> so part of the, part of the, the thing is, is allowing your characters to develop where they need to develop. Right. Oh, my gosh. I, I could tell you a story, and I, and I told this on to listeners before, but I'm working on a series. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you've done the, you're, you're going to work on the, I know you said you're going to work on the second book. I don't know if this is going to be a series or not, but I had a prequel that I, I was working on. I started working on after I published um, A Journey of Faith. And as I was editing A Journey of Faith, and I was going to publish the, the prequel later after I got the two books out, I was editing this book. And all of a sudden I was listening to podcasts the other night and I'm like, I need to know my character's backstory because it's crucial to the editing of the book that's there. So I'm going to have to, and I don't know if you've had, well, you may, and if you find yourself doing this, um, it, it doesn't hurt. I'm going to reiterate that. It doesn't hurt to backtrack, but I'm going to have to do a little backtracking. <laughs> that's why I said trust the process because Sometimes your characters will wind up telling you things that you weren't expecting. <laughs> am I right or am I right? Yeah. So one of the things that I, I had a challenge with is in the first draft, I was so paranoid. You know how editors tell you not to give too much backstory? Right. Because 
wrote down the story, you know, all that stuff. So and you I hear was so annoyed about that that I didn't put in any backstory. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I know I did the same thing. And then, so what I did was this, when we uh, started developmental edits and content edits, I was able to put in all of that stuff that I left out out of fear that editing yeah. it, it slowed the story down. So finding the balance between, you know, the inner monologue, the, you know, the characters thinking and processing, and of course, a little bit of backstory is a fairly tricky balance. And that's one of the things that new writers really struggle with. So, you know, having a good editor to go through and tell you, well, I need to know more about what this character is thinking. How did he get from this process to this process? Help me connect the dots. So having a good editor is essential. Having beta readers is essential for that too. Mm -hmm. Because, and I'm, and, and I'm, I, my friend Jen, um, she was, I, I, I put the, my story up in her group and she was telling me, she was asking me questions to make me think. So yeah, mm -hmm. having a good editor and a good beta reader and good beta readers is really key for that. Cause they can tell you, cause you're so close to your work. They can tell you things that they don't know about your characters. You do, but the reader doesn't. So they can, you know, it, it helps to have other people to see your work and to have that community. Mm -hmm. For sure. You know, writing a book is not a single uh, process. You have to have a tribe around you. You have to have your beta readers. You have to have your critique partners. Uh, you have to have editors. You have to have cheerleaders who you know talk you off ledges when you think that you can't do it anymore oh yeah um, you know they're not necessarily writers but they understand what you're going through um those people are essential you know um it's a it's it's a job that you do behind a computer on your own and if you don't have a community to support you it's very difficult so you need to get in contact with other writers, join, um, you know, writing guilds or, or like I'm part of ACSW um, and really do build up your support system because you can't do it on your own. I think I read an, and you can correct me in that you're a me member of the Christian Fiction Writers. Yeah, American Christian Fiction Writers. Ah. ACSW. I've heard about them, but I haven't really joined them. I've got my own, uh, my friend has her own uh, Patreon thing that she does, and I'm in there, and I'm in that group, and a, and a few others, but, mm -hmm. um, but it helps to, to get in with fellow writers and build that community. Okay, so, um, I'm gonna ask you my fun question that I like to ask my, uh, my guests. Well, some of them, depending on what our subject matter is, but um, if you could have, sit down and have a conversation over coffee or maybe be educated by anyone past or present, who would that be and why? Goodness, I really thought long and hard about this. <laughs> and I can't think of anybody that I'm not already connected to. I have such incredible mentors um, and authors that I admire that answer my questions. Um, you know, and, and help me through things in the last three or four years, um, you know, having writers who are ahead in, in, in the process and asking them questions and helping, having, you know, little chats, video chats with them, um, 
having you know Facebook message conversations with them has been invaluable. And I can't, you know, my husband is my grounding. He grounds me when I'm in a panic or uh, stressed about something. So I mean, he's here for me. Um, then I have my daughter, who is my uh, proofreader, and she fixes all my commas, and she cheers me along, and she's amazing. And then I have my writers group. We wrote a devotional together, and they're my prayer support, and they cheer me on. They're nonfiction writers, but they cheer on what I do. Um, so really, I can't think of anyone that I would still need get in contact with wow that's amazing because everybody has that everybody i've talked to has somebody in there and that's the first so you know what it, it's whatever your process is that works for you and i'm curious because this is this is so me but i'm just curious about because everybody's different um I guess, do you, I guess and the reason for it is i'm not an introvert so ah! See, a lot of writers are. That's what okay, I that's want to learn from someone. I reach out to them, and I, <laughs> I'm not afraid. Oh, okay. So. Okay. That's the difference, then. All right. So we have an extrovert in our midst, y'all. Okay. So, um, and I'm curious. Do you um like to? Th does music inspire your writing, or? Actually, while I was writing the rescue scene, <coughs> I was listening to a Spotify playlist for. Um, suspense, you know, scenes. It's, I can't remember the name of the playlist, but it was something to do with, you know, scary music or intense scenes or whatever. It wasn't sort of calming no. <laughs> instrumental stuff. It was, you know, sound, you know, you know. So that helped me get, get the feel of the anxiety that the characters were feeling. And um, I think it kind of worked because a few readers have said that that scene, they felt sweaty and, <laughs> you know, it helped right. them feel the angst. Um, other than that, when I'm writing, I, I, I can't really write with music, um, but I can edit with uh, instrumental music in the background because it switches off that other side of my brain. That wants I'm to keep, still our opposite. I am you know, still our opposite. So if I go to a, a, a coffee shop and put headphones on, I can work. But if I'm sitting at home and I'm trying to work, I get so distracted. I get distracted by the dishwasher and the cats and, you know, oh, I should go do laundry and, oh, maybe I'll just check Facebook for an hour. And, um, you know, I just get too distracted. Whereas if I'm at a, at a, a coffee shop or um, if I have music on and I'm editing, then I don't get as distracted. Well, I I can write with music, but I can't edit with music because the music distracts me. I mean, I want to dig into the music instead of what I'm doing. That's that's just yes, me. I'm not really listening to the music. It's more background noise. It's not yeah, very loud. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm lo I love music that much. I mean, that's just me. I'm and then I can come up with songs that go with my characters. I'll get yeah. a song in my head while I'm working on my writing. So that's just <laughs> that's my process for you. Mm -hmm. And so, and everybody's different in that respect. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, where can people find you online? Well, I'm on Twitter at Melanie Teague. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I have an author page there. And my website is melanieteague.com. All right. Um, so would, do you have a Bible, Bible verse you'd like to share with us today? 
Um, I guess what I keep coming back to is Jeremiah. You know, the Lord says, I know the plans I have. Ah, uh, 2911, yeah. Yeah, because we often keep, get our eyes off the fact that, you know what, our steps are ordered of the Lord. And me being a little bit of a control freak, I like to have things planned and ordered and know what's going on. Um, and I can't always control that. So I need to trust that, you know, God's in control and he has the best in store for me. Um, it may not be the easiest thing to go through, but right. it's what I need to go through to grow me as a person. As much as our, uh, us as writers put our characters into conflict to grow their character, same thing with us. Life gives us trials and tribulations, but in the, you know, God is more interested in our character than our comfort. Right. And I, and I totally agree with that. So, cause I keep going back to that verse a lot. So would you like to close us out in prayer? Sure. Father God, I thank you for this time together with Anne. And I thank you for the common things we have in our process. And Lord, I just, um, pray for all the writers out there that are listening to this who are going through challenges in their writing. I pray that you would help them to be inspired, that they would know what their next step is. They don't need to know the next five steps. They just need to know the next right step for them. And I pray that you would lead them in that one step ahead. I just pray that they would uh, realize that writing words on page on the page to inspire people to perhaps heal inner hurts that they have is very important. Our stories are important to you, God. And I just pray that they would always know that they, they're unique, their voice is unique, and only they can tell the story that they need to tell. So I just pray that you would give them peace, that they would be, have clarity in the days ahead, knowing what to do next, and that they would be inspired, most of all, to do this for you and for nobody else. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And before I don't give my challenge, I still want to thank you for coming on the show. This has absolutely been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much, Anne. It's been lovely. Lovely. Um, so we challenge you today to go out there and read to get inspired, write something inspiring, and share your creation with the world. Thanks for joining us on Inspirational Journeys. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Like, rate, and subscribe to the to write, like and rate the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you would, if you have any questions for me about about anything you've heard on the show, or if you have suggestions for future shows, be sure to contact me. Thanks so much for joining me, and have a blessed day. Are you an author, creative artist? or entrepreneur creating innovative products and services to meet your customers' needs? If you've answered yes to any of these questions and would like me to help you promote your products and services on my podcast, I have an invitation for you. I am filling out my calendar for 2020 and would like to add some new guests to Inspirational Journeys. If you're interested in being interviewed by me, please Either email me with Inspirational Journeys in the subject line, message me on social media with your email address, or fill out the contact form on my website or at the bottom of my most recent blog posts with Inspirational Journeys in the message box. 
I look forward to hearing from you, and thanks for listening to Inspirational Journeys, and have a blessed day. So I challenge you today to go out there and read to get inspired. Write something inspiring and share your creation with the world. For when you've touched one life, you've touched a thousand. Thanks for joining me on Inspirational Journeys. You guys have a blessed day.